discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is. That is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified. I know tonight you are going to be blessed. And your life is going to yield results. I'm speaking on the theme Does God answer prayer? (laughs) So, my theme is is actually a question. Hallelujah. Does God answer prayer? Does God answer prayer? I want you to, you know, my desire is that you become solid believers and then you begin to know God personally as a father. And you begin to, there are those who celebrate long prayers. And not people are not those who celebrate prayers. It's not bad. Praying long is very good. But we don't just have to celebrate long prayers. We have to, to celebrate answers. There are people who religiously, you know, they pray long and uh, that is okay for them. But it's not okay to just be praying long and sweating. I know some guys, they can pray and remove their, their shirt and squeeze it. And water will come out and wear it again. They, 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 they are praying and they are dancing and they are clapping and they are shaking their head for hours. <laughs> I'm telling you, pray with prayer. <laughs> Those days who could pray on a park, they used to call us Yanyakotro. Ghost rocks, because we're just. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> but you see, <laughs> hallelujah. You have to celebrate answers, not just having the feel of having prayed long. Yes. If you pray for hours, you need you have to see answers, proofs, because he's a living God. There was a man by name George Mola in the in the eighteen hundreds. George Mola was a great great man of God, and he celebrated answer prayers. What he did was that he had a book, so any prayer he prayed, he put a date, then he write a prayer request. Then another column answered prayer. He write a date on when the answer the prayer was answered and how. Another column, how the prayer was answered. That's how he lived his life. There was a time he recorded answered prayers up to one million. Yes. I like the look on your face. <laughs> one million. And that's what was going to happen to you. Because when he was praying, he didn't just pray. You pray to get answers. Because you are working with a living father. He will virtually open the Bible and show it to God. This is what you have said. Can you see it? Now he, he's telling God whether he can see it. This is what you said. And he commits God to do what he's saying. Yeah, you have to celebrate and celebrate. There was another man by name, 
Charles Grandison Finney, what we know as Charles Finney. And Charles Finney didn't want to be born again. You know why? Because his problem was that Christians pray, but they don't get answer to, answer, answer, answers to their prayer. So he would see Christians praying and he go like, are they really praying to a, a living God? Why are they not getting their prayers answered? So that was preventing him from receiving Christ. So when he came to Christ, his focus was to get prayers answered. If God is who he see he is, his prayers must be answered. So in fact, in his lectures, he, he, he wrote that the best prayers are argumentative prayers. Hmm. Argument, I'll, I'll talk about that later. Argumentative prayers. And this man had this, he, he, he knew the secret of having his prayer answered. If you study on those what used powerfully in the revivals, Chastani probably is number one. People will pray for hours, for days, for years, nothing happens. Finney comes here and there's a move of God. Everything is something is happening. Because he knew how to pray well to get answers. Because of that, his impact was so powerful. Finney affected 1,500 villages and towns. In, 50, in 1858 to 1859, there was something called the United, the, the revival of the United Prayer Meetings. In fact, in a year, his ministry won 600,000 souls. Then, in the 1800s, in the 1800s, it's amazing. When he went to Rome, it was said that almost all the adults in Rome were converted. One pastor said that as far as my ministry is concerned, we are experiencing the millennium, millennium already. Telling you, it's funny. When he now, by the time Tony died, he compared Finney's impact to D.L. Moody's impact. If you know D.L. Moody, you know that these are the top most evangelists America has seen. D.L. Moody, 30% of his convicts remained steadfast in the faith so they, they died. But with Finney, the percentage was 80%. Why? He knew how to pray. He was skillful in prayer. And that's why we are here today. Because from today, you begin to celebrate answers to your prayer. And the world will know that your God is a living God. Hallelujah. Because what we are serving, we are serving the true God. This thing is true, it is real. It's practical, it's experiential, it's true. And when you pray, God is not dead. Death, he hears it. And God loves to hear your voice. Can your Bible to Song of Songs 4, verse 12. Let me show you something. The Song of Songs 4, verse 12. What did I say? Sorry, I missed it. It's 2 verse 14, rather. Sorry, 2 verse 14. Oh, my dove. Now, God is calling you his dove. You are God's dove. Hallelujah. Thou art in the cleft of the rock. That is to say you are in Christ. Christ is a rock. The cleft is the opening into the rock. Because the rock that flowed them was Christ. All this is figurative. You are in Christ. In the sacred places of the states, he's saying that you are, not, you are in Christ, but you are also raised. And you are seated with him in the, in the secret places of the states. You are up. You are joined seated with him in his executive authority. 
Let him see thy countenance. Let him hear thy voice. Now God is saying, he wants to see your face. And he wants to hear your voice. Now God longs not just to hear your voice, but to see your face. Sometimes, you can be in a room, and your brother or your son is in another room, and you are talking. You can hear your voice, you can hear his voice alright. But, it starts fulfilling as you seeing the person's face and talking face to face. Like talking to someone face to face is more intimate than talking to the person on the phone. Is that not so? Yeah. So the Father would love to see your face. Understand that already every one of us is close to God. Because the thing is, we are seated at the right hand of God in Christ. So we are, we are just close to where God is. But we must practically, experimentally take advantage of that closeness. To experientially fellowship with the, with the Father. He, I'm telling you, He loves to see your face every time. You have no idea. Every time. Because He said, he said For sweet is thy voice. When you speak your voice, He loves to hear your voice. And thy countenance is coming. God loves your embrace. God just cannot wait to see you every, every, every now and then. Hallelujah. So prayer is it's a high privilege. I'm telling you. It's a high privilege. Actually, the word prayer, um, in the, in the New Testament, the word prayer, the word prosikoma is used 127 times for prayer in general. And the word pros, prosikoma, the word pros actually means face to face. To face. face, to face. So prayer is coming to God face to face. In intimacy. Okay. But the question is, does God answer prayer? True or false? Um, yes or no? Does he answer prayer? I know we are all saying yes, but in your heart of hearts, has your prayer been answered? I came to announce that God answers prayers. Why? Because he's faithful. He's faithful to his word. God is so faithful. God is faithful. God is so faithful, he doesn't. God is faithful. He's faithful. What he has said, he doesn't go up, he doesn't go back from what he has said. That is why in Psalm 89, verse 27, he said, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing which has gone out of my lips. What he has said, he said, I will never break. What has come out of my lips, I will never alter it. <laughs> so God says that if he says he will answer your prayer, if he says whatever he has said in his word, he cannot, he cannot, he cannot. Not he will not, but he cannot. Because he cannot deny himself. Listen, Titus 1 verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began, God cannot lie. He said, I have sworn in my holiness, I will not lie to my servant David. Wherein God willing the more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel 
confounded by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Hebrews 6, 17 and 18. It is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. So whatever his word has said, his word delivers. Because scripture cannot be broken. And as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and repenteth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bad, and bring forth, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. That word forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me, but that means my word delivers. It shall accomplish that for which I sent it, that which I please, and prosper the convert So, this is Isaiah 55, verse 11. God's word delivers. Now, if God is a liar, then existence itself is a lie. If God is a liar, then Jesus must be a liar. The Holy Ghost must be a liar. The Bible must be a lie. Your redemption is a lie. Your salvation is a lie. Your pastor is a lie. You yourselves were a lie. <laughs> yeah. God is faithful. In fact, in, in the book of Psalms, the Bible calls the Son as a faithful witness in the heavens. The Son is so faithful because the Son always witnesses, is always shining. It's a faithful witness in the heavens. But the Bible tells us in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And coming down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness or variation, neither any shadow cast by ten. But the Greek said, shadow cast by ten. You see how faithful the sun is, how faithful the moon is. Every day you see the sun, every day you see the moon. They are faithful witnesses in the heavens. But you see, once of once a while, in many years, the sun will at least disappoint you. But what is called the eclipse. Once in a long while, the sun will bring an eclipse. There will be an eclipse. So instead of the sun rays, there is, there is darkness. And once a while, the moon wanes and waxes, and we don't see its brightness as it used to be. The Bible says that even these heavenly orbs, once in a while, can disappoint. But with God, He is the Father of light, and in Him, there is no shadow cast by turning. He doesn't cast a little shadow like the sun or the moon. Hallelujah. That means he is eternally steadfast and faithful. Completely faithful. Hallelujah. And the Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift. You know good gifts? Good gifts are natural gifts. And perfect gifts are supernatural gifts. That's the finished work of Christ. For instance, medical health. You go to the hospital, medical health, they give you medicine, and all these things are in the realm of God's good gifts. But, but divine health, divine healing is God's perfect gifts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. 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 You go to work, you get salary, you work, you have salary, you sell, wages, and all that. All of these are God's blessings, God's good, good gifts. But God's perfect gift is giving and receiving. Supernatural abundance. Hallelujah. But all of this blessing is from above. Praise God. And God answer, answers prayers because in James 1, verse 5. Let's see James 1, verse 5. 
If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all, liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth. In the Greek, let him ask of the giving God. The giving God. God is always giving. He's always giving. The Bible says, look at what the Bible says. He gives to all, all men, all liberally. Hmm. Listen, some people think God is Armstrong. Ah, for God. Many have not tasted. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. They have not tasted the goodness of God. But the Bible says that he gives liberally. Now, the word liberally here, you know what it means? Hapless. The word means extravagantly. Extravagantly. Lavishly. Is the word for prodigal. Prodigal. Actually, God is a prodigal father. He's a prodigal father. Let me show you why. We normally speak of the prodigal son, but the father was also prodigal. Yeah, because yes, like <laughs> because a son received his inheritance and went to waste it. That is an insult. You don't receive the inheritance until your father is dead. But he claimed the inheritance whilst his father was alive. So to him, his, his father was as good as dead. And he went and he wasted everything. So when he returned, I mean, he was smelling. The smell of swine and pigs were all around him. He was walking barefooted, you know, and then he was in rags. So his father saw him from afar and ran to him. His father gave him sandals. You know, in those days, if you were a servant, you walked barefooted. If you were a servant, you walked barefooted. If you were an outcast, you walked barefooted. But if to be given shoe means you are restored, you are a son. Uh-huh. And then he gave him shoes. Then he gave him ring. But the ring is not like this ring. Yeah, the ring is like a, a seal. It's like a piece of cut today. In those days, the wealthy class and the aristocrats and the royal class, when they go out, they don't use silver to buy money. They use their ring as a seal. There was a clay slab. So whatever they buy, they just stamp it in it and they just go. So it's like a visa card to all that is in your bank account or all your riches. He took the ring and gave it to him, the one who had wasted your resources. <laughs> it's amazing. So he was so prodigal, extravagantly. Just, it is mind-blowing. How can whoever would do that? But I know you are wondering why is the father not disciplined? <laughs> I'm telling you. Why didn't he punish him? Now, in the Old Testament, the, the story of the prodigal is also in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 21. When your son is a glutton, drunkard, rebellious, you bring him to the elders and you stone him. Yes. So he should have been stoned. But the father didn't stone him. He gave him all the wealth, all the blessing. Then he brought the parted calf before him. And they killed the parted Calf for him to see that the punishment he, he was deserving was not put on a calf. So an innocent victim took his place. So Christ now took our place. So now God treats us as you have treated Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
So um, he gives liberally. He is the one who can multiply bread. A boy's lunch, a lot in the Greek, a little boy's lunch. That's a Greek, a little boy's lunch. Fed 5,000 and more. And the Bible says that he gave them as much as they would, not as much as he would. Read the Gospel of John. As much as they would. So if they wanted more, whether you were, so those who were glad in that day were, were happy. Because it's as much as they will. He never stopped it. He, he never came and said, oh, I think you're eating too much. No. They were just eating and eating. And what are the fragments? Top baskets. Awful. So he gives liberal. He, he, he always gives beyond. They brought little children for Jesus to touch them. He didn't just touch them. He raised them, put them on his lips, laid hands on them. He always goes beyond. Science wonders why. Science tells us that the sun is wasted. Because the earth is small and the sun is big. Approximately in size, it's like a grain of sun and an orange. So it's almost like the sun is wasted. Science called the sun waste. But God calls it cause a liberality. He does things in abundance. That is why many people, when God is blessing you, is he blesses you to the degree that you you don't know whether you should weep or laugh. <laughs> because he always goes, he will go beyond you. Yeah. He will go beyond you. And I want you to believe everything that, that I'm speaking here because as you believe, it is happening. It is happening. Hallelujah. God never fails. But there are some people, the Bible says, before they call, I will answer. And you begin to experience that realm. Before they call, said, I will answer. <laughs> Before you call, the answer is there. And you begin to say, Lord, why? Why? Hallelujah. <laughs> now, so if God, how many of you are convinced that God truly is good? Now, so if God is this, as I've described, poorly, then why are we not getting our prayers answered? Why? <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to give you steps for us to see why our prayers are not being answered. So we begin to celebrate answered prayers. Number one, it is because we pray amiss. Because we pray amiss. James 4 verse 3. James 4 verse 3. Ye ask and ye receive not. Because he acts amiss that he may consume, consume it upon your last. So it's so clear. Can you read it yourself? You know, we are, he acts and receive not because he acts amiss that he may. Yeah. So let me show you why. So, this is one of the reasons our prayers are not answered. We ask amiss. What I may say is, is the word kakus. That's the word for evil. Evil. And the word last is even not the ordinary word for last. This is where we get the word hedonism. No hedonism. Literally, it's the word hedonism. Hmm. Hallelujah. Hmm. Hedonism is sensual self indulgence. 
sensual self-indulgence. For instance, for instance, a few years ago, a certain woman of God gathered prayer warriors in America. And they were praying for the death of Gloria Copeland. Praying seriously. Why? Because she believed that she's the one to marry Kenneth Copeland. <laughs> so she was praying that Gloria Copeland would die. Gathered a prophetess praying for her death so that she, because she is called to marry the wealthiest preacher in the world, Kenneth Copeland. I sure if he was not the wealthiest, she would have prayed. <laughs> so, do you, do you, how can God answer this kind of prayer? <laughs> so, she had asked Amis. And years ago, I remember when I was doing my national service in Bulga, as in Bulga, this, this man of God came and he told us that. He wants God to show him where Osama bin Laden is hidden. So that it will shoot him to public fame. He was serious about it. He wanted the world to know him. He wanted the world to know that there's a man of God hidden somewhere in Ghana here. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> and he was serious. So it will be on CNN. They will show him this is the guy. He gave a forensic prophecy. And he came at you that we should help him pray. This, this kind of prayer. And it's all about, he's, he's not even concerned about big, big catching Osama bin Laden and people being, you know. It's all he cared for is he being everywhere and they knowing that he's also there. It's praying amiss. Now, it doesn't mean that if you have desires, God will not answer. No. But the motive. You can dream and ask. I remember I, 2008, went for a certain conference in Kenya. That morning, I woke up and I was just prophesying. I was just saying, I, I, I see miracles. I work, I'm a worker of miracles. I was just saying that. And I was just prophesying. I was just declaring saying, I have plans. I have plans for the gospel. I have plans. So from, that's my closet. So I went to, to the meeting and the man of God first met. So there was this preacher from South Africa who was ministering to the man of God. He called me. The moment, the moment he called me, he said, God is going to give you three things. One is miracles, two is plans. But that's what, that's what I was declaring at dawn. Now, assuming that somebody wants blame, he's declaring because he sees himself visiting his girlfriends, one in South America. <laughs> yeah. Because when I have a personal jet, I can go and swim with my girlfriends in Europe. They will go to Argentina. Then from there, we'll go to Mauritius. And from there, we'll go to Las Vegas. Because we have girlfriends scattered all over the world. Do you think if you pray this kind of prayer, God will hear? <laughs> so the motive is very important the motive is very important so the Bible says in John 15 7 that if ye abide in me and my words abide in you ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done 
Why? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, John 15, 7. If you abide in me, now when you are in Christ, you are already abiding in, in him. But that's not enough. His words must also abide in you. And the word abide means to live, to settle down, and to take up residence. So his words must live, must settle down, and take up residence. Yes, you must meditate on the word. And you shall ask what you will, and it shall come into being. The Greek says it shall, it shall be created. It shall, it shall come into being. Or it shall be created for you. <laughs> now, why? Because if his words abide in you, you will never ask amiss. True or false? Now, if you ask according to the word, you have your desire. Of course, the Bible says, what things soever you desire, God wants to answer your desires. Yeah. In fact, you have your dream car, is that not so? God can give it to you. God's not against you having your dream car. Whether S class, K class, W, all the classes to come, God can give it to you. Yeah. Because it says you answer your desire. Just that it must not degenerate into hedonism, self indulgence, and gratification. Yeah. Because if you have his word, your, your motives are purified. That's the same thing we see in 1 John 5, 14 and 15. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Maybe you are believing God for a seat in a jacket. So that when you come to church, the ladies you know, the ladies who have been despising you. <laughs> they will know that I'm also there. I'm somebody. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. So, shall we, let, let's not ask Amis. Praise God. As a minister of God was so disappointed in God. I was wondering, why God, why? By this time, the world should have known me. Why have you kept me in the wilderness? I, I met him. <laughs> I met him. I haven't met him for many years. I, I don't know why God is doing this to me. Hmm. I don't know why. Why he has decided to keep me in the wilderness for a long time. Hmm. Hmm. I see, I see you are blessed. I see, I see, I see this is your car. At that time, I was even sitting in someone's car. So I said, I see this is your car. You have a new car. Hmm. You know why God is doing this to me? Can you imagine? <laughs> I don't know why he's... When, when will my manifestation come? When is he going to show me to the world? Why are you so preoccupied with that? Focus and concentrate on what he wants you to do. Believe the rest of it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Okay, number two. Because we ask in unbelief. In unbelief. James 1 verse 6. James 1 verse 6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Verse 7. 
But let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. You see? Don't even think it. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Amazing. And do you remember Matthew 17? When they came from the Mount of Transfiguration and they asked Jesus, why could not we cast him out? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. And in verse 20, he spoke about what faith can do. You can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the yonder place, and it will be, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Unbelief. Now, faith is not difficult. Are we all believers? When did it become difficult for believers to believe? <laughs> it's our nature. We are believers. Listen, the reason prayer doesn't work is because, let me give you the story to put it together. I read a story from Ken Hagen that blessed me and shook me as well. Ken Hagen said he went to a certain church to preach. And when he went, they took an offering for him. And in those days, after preaching, they took up an offering for him. And when they took up the offering, they were going to pray about the offering. Then a woman raised her hands and intercepted the meeting and said, I want us to pray for a neighbor of mine because she is sick and the doctors have decreed, have said that she will not pass midnight. And at the time of her speaking, it was 8 p.m. So the church agreed to pray for her. So they all stood up and they began to pray and they declared she was healed and they believed. Hallelujah. The next day, Kanahegi went back to preach. And the woman stood up to speak and said, by the grace of God, the woman is still alive. The doctors are saying the woman has passed the risk moment and she will live and not die. And things have changed and the woman is fit. The doctors just said she will not die. She is fit and she is fine. Then the woman said, but I want us to pray for her again. Because I felt she was weak. I felt she was weak. So I want us to pray for her complete healing. Because at first she was weak, so let's pray for her complete healing. Then the pastor said, that's right, that's right, that's right. Shall we stand up and pray? So they began to pray. Now listen. Now Kenneth Hicken said, the, as soon as they began to pray, the Holy Ghost said, they have taken her out of my hands. She will die in three days. The Holy Ghost said, they have taken her out of my hands. She will die in three days. And in three days she died. I don't know whether you, you, you are following what I'm saying. No, it's a serious thing. <laughs> they have taken her out of my hands. So many believers pray, then they pray again to undo their prayers. Because there are laws and principles that govern praying. You don't break it and go and pray. Because, I mean, what is wrong with you? She's weak. Let's pray again. In a human <laughs> from the human perspective, it's like she's even more spiritual than also. It's like she, she's loving, she's caring, she doesn't want her to die, but she missed it. She missed it. You know what they would have they should have done? They should have stood up 
and agreed with the word that she was healed and giving God thanks for having healed her. Hmm. Hmm. They have taken her out of my hands. There are different kinds of prayers. There is intercession, supplication, petition, you know, so many kinds of prayers. Prayer of worship, but the principle that governs the prayer of faith is different. It's different. <laughs> so, there are people who are praying that God should heal them. You can pray, God, heal me, God, heal me, you can pray forever, and you may even die. Because that's not how to pray for healing. That's not how to pray for that is you know what that's how, what the church have believed for, for a long time. But that's not scripture. Hmm. Hey. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> they have taken hair out of my hands. Because hmm. sometimes, let's say you pray for something. That you want. Maybe, Lord, give me this, a tablet as nice as mine. Lord, I want this one. Then the next day, sometimes you feel like, I think I didn't really ask well. <laughs> How many of you have felt that before? <laughs> and as though when I was saying it, the confidence was low. Uh-huh. So I feel like, hmm. I feel like going to ask again. You may lose it. Go and agree with the word of God. What has what does God God's word say? Go and agree. When you go back, open it. Tell God that thank you for having given me a tablet. Because this that is what your word says. And I praise you, I exhort you, I give you praise. I start praising and worshiping him and start speaking in tongues. No, someone lived in my house. She, she, she was, she decided to act on this word on Mark eleven twenty four. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you have received it and you shall have it. Whatever you desire, that's what Jesus is saying. Listen. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. Now, the word received here is used in the aorist tense. In the Greek, that means it's once and for all action. That cannot be repeated. So you don't receive the next day you receive them. No. <laughs> it's just once. And you shall have them. So there is receiving before having. You can't have if you have not received it. You receive before you have it. What does it mean? So God doesn't want you to strive. Since the moment you ask, you have received it. So Father, thank you. You have it. And you smile. Meanwhile, you don't have anything. But meanwhile, Hey, your situation is even worse. That's faith. <laughs> and don't, don't respect your feelings. Because your feelings may be totally, I'm telling you. Those who have great faith, your feelings totally opposing what you have said. And what you feel. And start thanking God. Thank you. So the lady needed a book, needed an amount of money, needed a shoe or something like that. 
she used the, this word. In one week, all of them came. She was shocked. <laughs> so, don't go and try it. Do it. Because trying doesn't work. Faith is not an attempt into victory. Faith is the victory. That is why Smith Sweat said, the, the, the father of faith, he said, if you ask God seven times <laughs> for something, you have asked six times in doubt. You should have given thanks six times. That is why, you know, in, especially in the charismatic circles, when we are casting our devils, that's an area we feel the most. When you are casting out a devil and you go like, come out, come out. I said, come out, come out. Listen, come out. You know what will happen? That devil will not, will not take you serious. The demon will not take you serious because he knows you don't know your authority. How many times did Jesus said, come out? They will know you don't know your authority. Have you seen a king on the throne and commanding his subject to go and do something? They say, go and do something from go and bring me water. Go and bring me water. I command you, bring me water. I command you, bring me water. You, I said, I'm commanding you. Like, the self. <laughs> <laughs> it's some way it's, it's quite absurd and the problem is that when we say come out we look for physical evidence so the person goes like ah, ah, I'm going I'm going I'm going I'm going <laughs> I'm gone <laughs> So, when the person is calm, we are convinced that all the thing is gone. It's not true. <laughs> so, we have been taught. That's what I was taught, to look for physical evidence. Jesus, after he has spoken a word, that's all. The thing became sometimes worse after he has spoken a word. The demon began to tear him apart. As if there's no result, but once the word is gone, you respond in faith. Go your way. The word is released. It will accomplish that for which you sent it. Hallelujah. Let's not undo our prayers. So if we pray intelligently and scripturally, we'll have results. That is why we must spend a lot of time praying in the spirit. Spend 90% of the prayers praying in the spirit. Number two, giving of thanks. That should occupy you. And when it comes to personal requests, Intercession is spend long time in intercessions and pray for the sins. But things, the things you need, no, 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 you don't have to spend time. No, <laughs> the things you need, you don't spend time praying over, over, over. You destroyed all your prayers. So, for instance, for instance, a certain man of God, Hagen also described a certain man of God, a healing evangelist. He just stood in front of the congregation and said, We heard Sister Susan and Soul is sick and is dying. Shall we all stand up and pray for him? Pray for her. They prayed and they declared in Jesus' name she was healed. Then she said again, How many of you want to push and pray more for her again? People raised up their hands and she, he asked them, What for? What for? You pray again, you are going to destroy it. Just agree with the Lord with the scripture that she is healed and begin to give thanks. Telling you. But if you want to walk by the flesh, every day you are in this kind of sympathetic, emotional, 
No, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. You think that will work? It will not work. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Number three. Our prayers are not answered because we don't put God, we don't remind God, or we don't put Him into remembrance. We don't remind God or put Him into remembrance. Now in Isaiah, God himself said, 26 verse 43, 43, no, 43 verse 26, 25. Put me into remembrance. Put me into remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare that, verse 26, that thou mayest be justified. The God who cannot forget, says, put me in remembrance. Put me in remembrance. The God who cannot forget. Let us plead together. Now, the Greeks, the Hebrew says, plead your case as a lawyer. So you don't go to prayer empty-headed. Plead your case as a lawyer. Declare that, that thou mayest be justified. Now, you have to learn how to plead your case. That's what Chasmini said, the best prayers are argumentative prayers. Now, assuming that you've done all that I've told you, you have prayed for the person and given thanks, you are holding fast the word of faith, you've done uh, nothing is happening. You know you've done everything right, what do you do? That's what you have to do. You have to now put God into remembrance and plead your case because you've done what is right. Yeah, and God really wants you to. You see, as I was praying for you, I saw a vision. And the Lord told, said, have faith to ask questions. Yeah, that's what I saw. Faith to ask. See, God wants you to ask him questions. It, God is like, he's our father. Ask him. I just talk, talk, talk. Ask him. Don't be afraid. Because God himself, he wants you to remind him. Sometimes, if you know God, sometimes He's some way. <laughs> he's some way. You know why I'm saying He's some way? I don't understand Him. One day, <laughs> one day, God is excited that I'm saying this. You see, one day, the disciples were on, on, on sea, the Sea of Galilee, and the storms were hitting them. It was raging. And Jesus was praying on the mountain. Mount Arabel, which is opposite the uh, Galilee. And at midnight, Jesus, at the fourth watch, Jesus was walking on the sea to attend to them because they were screaming. And they saw him coming. They thought he was a ghost. Now, why was Jesus walking on the sea? To go and rescue them. But when he reached there, he made a seat he was passing by. Why? Why? <laughs> he was pretending. Why would he do that? Your own disciples, he got there. These people are struggling, crying. He was just passing by. <laughs> the Bible says, when they had received him, immediately the whole ship teleported to the shore. I've read that before. Immediately they were at the shore. 
the same story is on the road to Emmaus when he resurrected. When the two guys, the two guys reached their destination, he made as though he would, he would have passed by. So it's like you have to know how happy you bring some way. Why would he say put him into remembrance? Why? You you can't forget. You can't forget. Why do we have to remind you? <laughs> Let me show you something as that 62. 62. And, and let's read one. And we'll go to verse 6. For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace. For Jerusalem's sake will I, will I not rest. And this is God's vision for Zion. Until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness. And the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. So this is God's vision for this is God's vision for Zion. Okay, so in verse 1, God says that He is not going to rest. He's not going to hold his peace. That's God Himself. So God said, I will not rest, I will not hold my peace. Until Zion becomes the salvation burns as a lamp, and the righteousness thereof as brightness. That's God's vision. That's powerful. But look at verse 6. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace, day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep no silence. Now the word, ye that make mention, is one in the Hebrew, is the word remembrances. Ye remembrances of the Lord. The people who have been reminding God of his promises. Don't keep silence. So from one part, God says, I'll not rest. But still, he cannot do it without your consent. He's waiting for you to remind him of what he said. So what happens is that you must plead your case. Now go with the Bible. Go, go with information. When lawyers go to court, they go to fight. So Finney said, Finney was a lawyer. That's why his prayers were answered. Charles Finney was a lawyer. So he said the best way to pray is argumentative prayers. He, he goes to argue with God. You know, God loves such things. God loves it. Now look at Abraham. Abraham with God. Because they were in covenant. Abraham just told the father. They were looking at Sodom. Shall the judge of all the earth not do right? Abraham was talking to That's what he said. Shall the judge of all the earth not do right? Wow. Bold. Bold. So, Lord, this is what you said. This is what you said, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. One day, I, I went to wait on the Lord fast. And I was, I was digesting and assimilating and imbibing faith. In fact, I was so filled with faith that when I sneezed, I, I could see faith. <laughs> I came fully charged. No, I came out of the room. I, I, Sometimes you are working as if, as if you are floating in the air. I'm telling you. Then I began to make some declarations with time limit. None of them came to pass. <laughs> I was so disturbed. I didn't understand. But I felt like, haven't I done everything right? I didn't give up. I went again. I said, Lord, I don't understand. I did this. I did this. I was really serious. And I, when you are speaking, no God hears you. I asked God for, show me why. Where did I miss it? I asked God. Within a week or two, the answer came. And I, I did it again, and the result came. 
So when you feel, don't give up at all. And ask God questions. Why? Hallelujah. Go and plead your case because the Bible says this. Lord, why does this? Why? Why? You demand, that's your, your right as a son. Yeah. Africans, we don't know that. We don't know how to do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've come to... Uh-huh. Where God wants you to speak up. Because when I listen to man of God, these foreign preachers, how God commissioned them and how they were, the manner in which they were talking to God, I'm so amazed. I said they don't even respect. God said, go and do this. He said, no. I remember Ken Hagen, the Lord told him to go and give his money. He said, ah, I can't do that. Because that's all that I have for me and my family. I was, I feel like. <laughs> but if it was us, you wouldn't say it to buy, you see your hat. <laughs> and the Lord spoke. And I mean, there was an interaction. And he went to do what God wanted him to do. Yeah. So, um, his mom was then at 68. And they called him to come and see his mom before his mom dies. The moment he heard it, he said, Lord, if you take her now, I have problems with you. I have problems with you if you take her now. I'll never be satisfied. The longer I live on earth, I will always remind you of what you, did, you didn't do. <laughs> this is kind of heavy. So when I was reading, I went like, hey. I felt like I need to know the fatherhood of God and relate to him on that. Uh-huh. Well, we are so respectful that we are afraid to say such things. <laughs> so the way we have related to our natural earthly parents is how we translate that to God. Can you say that to your earthly father? I remember two weeks ago, my birthday, my birthday, we have some videos from outside. So Jameson's son, daughter, was speaking, we're watching. He said, George! Uh, <laughs> just, George! Uh, just, George! And so everyone sitting there, just, you know, as <laughs> a little girl, I mean, four year old girl. George, how are you? And all that. But if it's Ghana. <laughs> you have to add Papa. Apostle, that in a way affected us. You see, yeah. So Hagen said, yeah. So as he, as he said that, I have challenges with you. I'll never be satisfied. The longer I live on earth, I remind you. Then he said, he just heard a voice behind him, and the voice said, whatever you ask me, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. And Hagen said, give her eighty years. Then he said that, that you said in your word that the list of our, we should either be 70 or 80, that's the list. So Hagen told, told God. And when he heard a voice, he said, give, him, give her 80 years. So when her mom was on her 80th birthday, the same week she died. Yeah. So we, we all have the same right. We all have the same right. <laughs> Yeah. 
we all have the same life. Now, Martin Luther said something. Luther was praying. I just wrote it so I could read it. Luther was praying. This is what he told God. He said, God, you must hear and answer. You must hear and answer. Because if you don't hear me, I won't ever be able to trust you again. <laughs> it's amazing. St. Augustine saw some of his servants. One servant of his, one servant was sick, praying. He heard the guy pray, and he just, because he was sick, and that's what he told God. Lord, what prayers of thy children would thou ever grant, if thou grant not this? Hallelujah. <laughs> now they had authority with God. Yeah. So I'm telling you, that, that's what I saw in a vision. Have, say, have faith to ask questions. Yeah. So you, this is a remote to you. Ask God questions. Don't be so timid. Don't coil in. No. Be bold. One day I was believing for something. I said, Lord, if you come here, you cannot tell me I don't have faith. For you. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. Lord, you cannot, you cannot tell me I don't have faith. It's nice. It just relates to me. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you will do that? That means you're going to use the word. <laughs> that means, yeah. Be confident. Now the word says, the Bible says that having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest. The word boldness in Greek is freedom of speech. Parousia, freedom of speech, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. Ephesians three for boldness, access, confidence. What do you need again? And the word parousia, you know what it means. It's someone who is so overconfident that when you, an observer sees or hears him, he may even think he's proud. That's the kind of confidence you should exercise. Knowing you're right. So you should know the Bible, the scriptures to plead your case. I remember Howard Cater. You know, Howard Cater was a contemporary with um, Smith Wigglesworth. who wrote on spiritual gifts. There's a story I love so much. Whenever I think of it, it stirs me up. He was praying for someone and he laid hands. Nothing happened. He laid hands, nothing happened. He left the sick, went to the corner of the auditorium and said, and looked up and said, You said I'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Where is the word? Where is it now? Where? 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 <laughs> Didn't you say that? I don't know who's out of can you imagine? Then he just turned and went back, laid hands, the person rose up. <laughs> Yeah. Because it is yours, you have to. It's serious. <laughs> God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. 
Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.